Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, TV host by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night, and a health and a life coach always. Come hang out as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing. There's definitely going to be some laughing. And hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. You know what I love? I love a good multifaceted woman with a strong entrepreneurial spirit who truly believes and demonstrates that you can have it all. Rivki Rabinovitz is exactly that woman and I am so honored that she is joining us on today's episode. Whether she is celebrating her love of health and wellness, being a dedicated mom to three girls or showing her incredible, incredible skills with interior design. She does it all. Not to mention, she also hosts a pretty epic podcast called Kale in My Teeth. And we did a little podcast swap. So you can check hers out to find me and find her on mine. Let's get into it, shall we? She's pretty rad. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Love that you're rocking the Kale in My Teeth sweatshirt. Girl, girl, honestly, as much as I want the weather to get warm, I also don't because all I wear are merch and leggings. <laughs> don't worry. I feel like Toronto summers are warm, but they still get pretty cool in the evenings. You'll be fine to rock your amazing merch. I will definitely be needing to place an order after today, though, because watching you wear it, the aesthetic is great. You can tell you're a creative person and that you have an eye for design because it lends itself to your merch as well. I feel like it's a perfect extension of who you are as an interior designer and as a creative. That's like so sweet. Thank you. Please do not place an order. I will send some over <laughs> to you. Okay. <laughs> if you try to place an order, I will hit immediate refund. Okay. So don't even try. <laughs> Where are we in your house right now, by the way? I'm like loving the vibe. Oh, thank you. Uh, we are in my office. It is a tiny Harry Potter closet, um, but it is my sanctuary. It's where like all of my good ideas come. It's where like I have my most peaceful moments, my most difficult moments too. Like they're all in this chair. And it's funny because a lot of the design in my home is a lot more focused on like color and a little bit slightly more like a layered chaos and I wanted this space to be like a reprieve from everything and feel super feminine and almost like mature um sometimes it doesn't feel like a full reflection of me <laughs> but it definitely helps keep my brain calm I mean, how important is it to set up your workstation? Like whether you're lucky enough to have a dedicated room, like you, even if it's a Harry Potter closet or, you know, like I live in a Toronto apartment, pint size, so you, you definitely need rooms that are multi-use, but how important is it that we set up our environments for success so that when it does come time to like sit and work and go through the good moments and go through the shit, like, does it play a big role? Well, I think that I'm going to answer this not even as a designer, but just as a human. I know that when my workspace is clean and when I have my calendar open on my desk in a way that my brain can absorb, um, 
I'm a different human. I'm a different human. And so like, I think for me being able to have a dedicated space, that's really my own, that has a lock on the door um, is it just, it's everything. I'm still in shock that I'm lucky enough to have a space like this. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but no, it's, it's amazing. The like moments of gratitude are always so important, no matter how far you get in your life and your success journey, whatever that means to you. Also, I imagine having three kiddos, a lock on the door is imperative for you. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, it's, it's funny because they sense when I'm in the middle of like a little bit of a stressful moment and they somehow have the sixth sense to know when to come in, when to have a crisis. It's spectacular. Um, but I'm very lucky that what I do, most of it involves connecting with other really cool people. So as much as a lot of it is work, it's mm-hmm. also very, very energy giving. So I can run to my work and feel like I'm having a reprieve and then feel restored to go back to parenting. Yeah. I mean, that's the dream right there. When what you do can fill you up rather than deplete you. Um, Friends, as you heard in the intro, I mean, Rifki's got so much going on. You are truly the definition of like a multifaceted woman. And I am fascinated by individuals who are multifaceted. And you definitely seem to like thrive in the world of creativity. Like, did you come out of the womb just ready to create in this world? Um, thank you. Um, yes, I'm going to have to say yes. I remember being like as young as five years old and like consulting my mom on her outfits. Um, I grew up painting and drawing. Like I, I spent like hours in, like in my school years, drawing portraits and things like that. Um, so I definitely am a huge believer. Like one of my mission statements is that creativity can easily be diversified, Um, if you're an artist, you can be a food stylist, you can be a designer. It's really just how you see the world. And to my friends who maybe will say to me, I don't have that creative brain. How do I, um, integrate that into my math brain? For example, to that, I say creativity is in your outlook on life, how you interact with people, how you approach difficult communication issues. And I'm a, like, I think it's super important as adults to be able to tap into that. So yes, I was always born this way. And, you know, it's interesting because seeing the world, you for sure understand what I mean by this, but seeing the world in a bit of like, um, a creative lens is very unifying and at the same time, super isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're constantly having to like make decisions that maybe other people are not that may energize you and make you feel empowered, but also in a, in a certain space, isolate you. It's, it's an interesting push pull. Yeah. Because a lot of the times you're kind of creating a new box to play in rather than like staying comfortable in the box you maybe have called home before. And I love what you said about the idea of being able to cultivate creativity. Cause for a long time I was like, no, I'm just like a type a science nerd. I'm not a creative individual. And it's been so fun to kind of change that self-limiting belief and be like, well, okay, isn't that maybe outdated? Like, I think we're all really creative. I think sometimes we just don't let ourselves play. And like you said, it can come forward in so many different facets. Like my, my partner is like a traditional artist. Like he paints murals and he's a fine artist. So his creativity is what my brain thinks is creativity, but really creativity can come forward in so many different parts of life. And when you find that thing that makes you creative, you find that thing that allows you to like tap into your flow 
flow, it's a really, really special feeling. And it feels like for you, you've been able to tap into so many different types of flow, whether it's cooking or interior design. Like I'd love to know which came first and do you have a favorite? I mean, so many like good points that you just brought up. Um, Just even before answering that, I want to like relate to you in that my husband, who is the opposite side of the brain, I've always felt like I want to tap into that more. I've recently, I would say the past three or so years, gotten rid of those limiting beliefs and said, I too can be a science nerd. I too can figure out, you know, like the mathematical side of things. And that in and of itself has been super empowering. But to get back to your question, um, I like didn't, I messed up Duncan Hines cookies um, probably as recently as like 13 years ago. Like I, I knew nothing. One thing that I always knew before I like got into my own kitchen and experimented was that my food was always going to be pretty because like I knew how to make things pretty, but I thought it would be inedible. Like I had absolutely no experience, but I think that with any of us who learn cooking or a lot of it is just about, understanding recipes enough to be able to now where I've segued into recipe development. Um, I prefer interior design than the actual act of cooking. Mm. I prefer hosting above all. Oh, okay. Okay. She's a, she's a curator. (laughs) You like to curate the evening. Well, I mean, it's such a good feeling to like create a menu thinking of the people you're going to have and what they like, what they don't like, and then have them enjoy it and, you know, enjoy some wine together. Like it, to me, that's like a synthesis of all the things I love. Mm. And there's something really special about bringing people together over a meal. Like I know for me and, and everyone in this community knows, like for a long time, I demonized food and I had a really bad relationship with food. And I actually would hate when people would invite me over for dinner because I just had so much shit to work through in my own brain. And I feel like I lost out on some really special moments, whether it was birthdays or sitting down with family dinners. And now when I have the opportunity or I'm invited somewhere to sit down with interesting people or people I've never met before, I savor those moments both because the food is usually delicious, but also because there's some amazing magic that can happen when we come together around the table and enjoy a meal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the food evolution, I think for so many of us women, we all have so many stages and chapters that we like look back on and that we still are working through. I don't think there's any like linear path to healing or an end to it. It's just Mm -hmm. a lifelong journey. Yeah. Yeah. But man, it's so when you host a a beautiful night and it goes like 10 on 10 spectacular, how do you feel at the end of the night? I, I just, I, I'm on fire. Like I love it so much. I, I feel so lucky that I have figured out a way to show love in this way. Um, I don't do it often because you've probably figured out by now that like, I do like to go all out and very often when I have a pocket of time I'd rather go out to dinner I mean you know what goes into hosting a dinner party the menu planning the shopping for the ingredients all of the prep um the florals the candles the cloths all of it right and so I love it but I really don't do it um as much as you know I would have thought I would Mm. Now, in because I know you mentioned you do recipe development, which I also think is like such a cool notch on your resume. But like for you as as like an individual, as a parent, as someone with a busy life, when it comes to food, 
and wellness. Like, do you have a philosophy or an approach to ensuring that while yes, it's enjoyable, you're also reaping the delicious and nutritious benefits of what you're eating? Um, that's such a good question. I think that everything starts and ends with knowledge is power. Um, so I, I definitely think that I spend a lot of my, like my free listening time, um, learning, um, from podcasts like Huberman lab, um, um, you know, really digging deep into the science of nutrition, um, the psychology of nutrition so that I know what's going into my body and that I can make informed decisions. And those informed decisions are not as nutritious as I would have thought they would be four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and that's because, I've had my own food journey. Identifying as a wellness influencer to me is not only posting photos of my post-workout shake. It's the holistic approach to wellness. And the definition of that has shifted and morphed and evolved so many times in my adult life. Right now in this current moment, what does it mean to you to be like a holistic wellness influencer? Um, Yeah, Um, I think for me, well... Can I start by talking about maybe like my evolution in this space? A hundred percent. This is your, this is your space. You take it wherever you want. Baby girl. Uh, <laughs> okay. So um, I, I, I got into the wellness realm. I was trying to heal some like hormonal skin flare ups that I was having. And I knew that it was obviously a signal to my body that something was going on inside. Like this mm-hmm. wasn't something that like, you know, uh, uh, an esthetician was going to, was going to be able to fix. So I connected with a naturopath who in 10 days fixed my skin in a way that none of the best yeah, places in Toronto were able to access. And it was amazing. It was revolutionary. Wow. Um, the side effect was that of that was that um, I became like mildly orthorexic because in order to heal my skin, a lot, you know, I, I'm very intolerant to sugar. So that means that even high sugar fruit um, was causing inflammation in my skin. Okay, great to know. Practically speaking, if we're villainizing pineapple, then we've really created a lot of rigidity in the way we eat. So that's sort of what I was doing, thinking that I had found like utopia because I was able to eat in such a, like a nutrient dense way, but it wasn't for weight loss. It was for my skin. And I didn't realize exactly like the limit that I had put on myself. Concurrently, I was also discovering how to eat to fuel my fitness. Fitness will always be like my first love, like nothing fires me up in that way. So I was eating to fuel my fitness feeling like a beast, like on par with the men in the gym, like just feeling so powerful while this was going on with my skin. And in doing so, what I learned was if I have to have a breakout because I've eaten some papaya, so freaking be it. <laughs> like I'm going to eat the papaya. And it sort of woke me up from this like year long stupor that I had been in and shifted more into like an empowered place of nutrition where it was eating to fuel my body. Hmm. Again, still in this overly cautious, boxed-in, nutrient-focused way of eating. Um, Fast forward to where I am now. You know, a lot of people talk about 80-20. I wouldn't even say I'm 80-20. Maybe I'm 60-40. 
I know what food makes me feel good. I know what food causes inflammation. I also know that I got a lot of balls to juggle in the air. And sometimes I just want to grab something that maybe um, is not like what the profile of a wellness influencer looks like to me. That's my, my real life. So, you know, I, I eat probably the same few foods every single day, but last night my husband brought some hot babka. I know. Right. Okay. Also good hubby. Good hubby. (laughs) That's for another podcast. Guys on a Monday. Yeah, I'm telling you, right? And it's funny because like I'll send my friend like a video of my like my pull up uh, or hip thrust PR and I'm like moving heavy weight and I'm like and felt so much like felt so good after finished it off with like a cookie and a green juice. And to her, that's so shocking because she's still in that phase where to look a certain way, you have to avoid certain things or mm-hmm. look a certain way is tantamount to enjoying what life has to offer. Not in that space now. I think that in general, the trend of nutrition has really gone towards this like really open, um, less rigid, more of like a feminine energy towards eating. So I'm grateful to be in that era. Man, so much that. First of all, friends, if orthorexia is a new term for you, so it's an unhealthy focus on eating in a healthy way an unhealthy focus on eating in in a healthy way. So you think, what do you mean? How is that bad? Like being healthy is so good. We should all try to be healthy. It is until it's not. Like eating nutritious foods is incredibly good and powerful and empowering. But if you struggle with orthorexia, you actually end up obsessing about eating healthy to a point where it can damage your overall well-being. And like you mentioned, you know, limiting eat certain fruit, villainizing a whole category of food, and potentially it's affecting your quality of life. And it's so interesting because I think for a long time it was, no, healthy is great. Be healthy all the time. And then all of a sudden that can actually become really quite obsessive. So thank you for sharing that first and foremost. So happy that you are not in that place anymore and can talk about it openly. I feel like that's always when you know you've made some progress, when you can talk about the dark times and the shitty times and you're like, yeah part of my story but doesn't define me yeah yeah 100% I think uh, I think that we've all come like a a really long way and it's really a matter of assessing what your priorities are so not to look back on that time and shame myself but to say Hmm. my priority then was uh, I was prioritizing healing my skin to the detriment of eating a more varied diet all good my priority now is living in the moment and not having a lot of food noise in my brain and just being in the present moment to whatever that means. Yeah. And then the other thing that I love that you said is this 80, 20, I'm seeing it everywhere. Like every quote unquote wellness influencer is fucking talking about 80, 20. If 80, 20 works for you. Amazing. Love that journey for you. 80, 20 for me feels restrictive. Um, it just, to me, does not work. It feels like if I tried, if I truly try honestly to live an 80, 20 life, style, then food noise, like you mentioned, is taking up actually a lot of real estate in my brain. And then that's when it can start to negatively impact my mental health. That's me though. Like that's, that's the, that's the path I'm on, but I am with you. Like if I'm being honest, I definitely don't do 80, 20. I try to eat nutritious when it makes sense, when it feels good, when it's within my wheelhouse, when I have the time to sit and cook. And the rest of the time, like I'm just trying to get by and make some decent choices along the way, you know? And and I feel like I'm at my happiest living life in this way. And it's I have so much more like room in my brain and my like thought process to talk about other things, to think about other things and to truly be present in my life. Yes, yes. And like in, in what I was saying about like understanding the science, 
I'm a lot more focused on the science of what alcohol does to my body than I am into what a cookie is doing to my body on a, like a Friday night dinner. Um, that's my personal focus right now, you know, not just like accepting cultural norms without questioning them, yeah. you know, oh and God. at the same time, not making any hard and fast rules for myself. Yeah. You mentioned alcohol, getting curious about it. And then you mentioned Huberman. I listened to the Huberman Lab podcast, phenomenal podcast, guys. If you never checked it out, he's like such a nerd, but he breaks down like really complicated science in a way that the average person with no science background can get behind. And there's a whole episode on what does what kind of effects does alcohol have in your body, something like that. And he's not demonizing alcohol. He's not saying everyone needs to be sober. He's like, here's the information, make whatever choice you want after that. And since then, I've been so curious about alcohol and I'm really way more conscious about like when I drink, if I drink, what am I drinking, if I'm making the choice to drink. So I, I like love that you are such a curious person as well with like all regards to health, including alcohol. Well, I think that it's very important to assess your why and have that inform your choices. Mm. So if I'm drinking to enhance an experience, like amazing. If I'm drinking because I can't regulate by myself or I can't cope with an emotion or I'm trying to numb an emotion or I can't, you know, deal with a certain social experience without a crutch, none of those things are the kind of person I want to be. I want to be self-reliant on my own like in my natural state. And if I want something like a delicious glass of wine to enhance an already delicious date night, the more the merrier. Oh, and sometimes a nice glass of heavy red on an awesome date night, a hundred percent enhances the experience. You know, like, like you said, like it's about getting curious and not villainizing. I don't want to live a black and white life. Yeah. So essentially friends, you can have your cake and eat it too. I'm obsessed with cheesy slogans. Um, So it's clear that prioritizing like your health and wellness in a really sustainable and holistic way is important to you. And you talked about like why's informing your choices. So like, what is your why when it comes to showing up for yourself and making health and wellness a priority? Um, What is my why? I know what life is like without it. Hmm. So it's easier to create those choices because life is so much better with it. Um, I think that it's really cool to hold yourself accountable, private rituals that Instagram maybe doesn't see that are not for anybody but you, because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I believe that my relationship to fitness is a metaphor to my relationship with every other difficult thing that I do and don't want to do throughout my life. Every morning when I take that ice shower, I'm showing up for myself to the commitment that I made for myself, whether it's comfortable or not. And that is the same kind of person I want to be when I commit to keeping my cool when my children are losing it on me or when I you know, commit to trying to show up early for carpool. So I'm, you know, the car that my kids see in the parking lot, it's how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I think that I ask myself, who, who do you want to be show up for that person? It's the micro decisions that inform us in the long haul. Damn. Okay. You're a cold shower in the morning kind of gal. You know what? I want to tell you something. I was looking at your feed last night. And my daughter was um, looking over my shoulder and you have a, like a static post of you in the ice bath and you are inspiring another generation. Cause she was like, Oh my gosh, 
does she do that? I said, isn't that amazing? I love that. Yeah, so it was so cute. So like you, I know you choose your shower to be like your peaceful state. I have no access to an ice bath. So this is our version of it. Mm-hmm. And I really what's consistent is showing up for difficult things because you know, the after is so worth it. And cold exposure is one of those things that really doesn't get easier and it doesn't get more relaxing those first few seconds. It's just how we adapt to uncomfortable situations that to me is so like such a great analogy to life. Oh, okay. So tell me this. Cause now, you know, it's about to be summer in Toronto. My ice tub and frozen lake dips are unfortunately a thing of the past. I can't wait for winter already. What <laughs> is your process for cold showers? Cause I, I really love the cold. I think cold exposure is like the most powerful way to change your state in two minutes. Maybe that and like some hardcore breath work, but so I, I really want to welcome cold showers um, because I feel, like you said, I feel so much better after the fact, whether I've had a great day, a hard day, or anything in between, no matter what extreme I'm on, I will always feel uh, substantially better and more positive on the other side and more capable to take on whatever life throws at me. So with your shower, are you like, are we taking a nice hot shower and we're turning it cold? Are we just doing cold? Are you like bathing and showering and soaping in the cold? Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're having a nice, delicious hot shower. Yeah. And then we are doing two minutes in the ice shower. I have um, a lucky shower system in that there's one shower head that can be hot and one shower head that can be cold. So I keep, I, I keep it going. I run. And then on mornings when it's really difficult for me, I'll finish off in the hot, which is just a really good feeling as you feel all the blood rush Mm -hmm. away from your organs and into the body really tingly and alive. But generally I like to finish off on ice. It just makes me feel like marginally more badass. Um, and that's my process. I actually started, um, dipping into the world of cold exposure at the beginning of COVID, I connected with Kate of Nutbar, And that was before other ship had launched. And she had made like a WhatsApp group with her brother. And all of us kind of were digging into it at the same time. And I remember coming to the group chat after being like, I did a 10 minute ice shower. And they're like, Oh, babe, no, no, no. Too long. <laughs> That's not what we want here. So like, I think that two minutes, it's very doable. I'll put on like a Spotify playlist with two minute songs so I can kind of like jam yeah. and know when it's done. And uh, yeah. I love that. I love that. It's such a powerful way to kick start your day too. I, I know, I imagine how busy your mornings must get with the kids and carpool and breakfast and lunch and whatever else happens in a house with three children. But do you have other elements of your morning routine that are non-negotiables so that you can show up as the best version of you when it comes to like parenting, being an entrepreneur and just being a human? My morning routine is like an untouchable sacred hour and a half. Um, again, 90 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Are you, oh, girl, please. Like the morning routine is like in its own category. <laughs> I'm really grateful. A lot of people like to roll their eyes at like the wellness industry. Cause it's like, we've romanticized in my morning routine. And there's like this peaceful voice in the candle. I'm like, Yes, we're romanticizing it. Yes, it's a trend. How lucky that we can capitalize on things that we can become better on. So mm. my morning routine, I start off with <laughs> a liter of lemon water. Um, I have it in a wine glass. That's sort of like the way that I romanticize my lemon water. 
<laughs> no, no, seriously. I have my two massive lemon water with wine glass. And then I have my coffee. Um, I meditate um, anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes. And I pray. So one thing that meditation has really helped expand um, back, reintroduce into my life um, is prayer. So as an Orthodox Jewish woman, we grew up going to Hebrew school, like learning to pray and all of that. And as a mom, there's really no like requirement to pray because mm-hmm. as women, we're so spiritual and naturally connected to whatever deity or, you know, um, higher power speaks to you that there's really no requirement to formally pray. And so in accepting that, I kind of fell off the wagon. Right. And it was reconnecting to meditation that I reintroduced it into my life because what I told myself was, you know, it's easy to connect to a spiritual part of you um, that has become popular by your peers. But if we're dedicating this kind of like spiritual connection to that, we should be trying to also focus, I should be trying um, to also focus on the spiritual connection that is part of my tradition. That's wow. like what generations have been doing. And so I reintroduced it back into my life. Um, I'm so proud of that. Um, so that that goes on. Um, you I light love- up, by the way, you like light up when you talk about mm-hmm. it. Like, I love that you acknowledge that you're proud of yourself for doing that. Well, it's, it, it, it's not, it's not easy. Like it's, it's Hebrew, right? We don't speak Hebrew on a day-to-day basis. It's sometimes hard to connect to the words. And it's like, no, I want to commit to the generations before me that have kept this language, you know, all of that. In any case, um, moving on. So I journal and, um, at that point the kids get up breakfast, the whole blah, blah, blah. I work out every morning with my husband. We don't do the same workout, but we work Cute. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And he's, he's like, he's a newbie. So he's like, when I'm doing my like pull-ups, he's like, arms all the way down. I'm like, bro, you good? <laughs> so then we do that. And that is when I do the ice shower. So I don't do it right in the morning. Okay, good. Because if you were going to tell me you're like drinking a liter of lemon before a cup of coffee and you're doing cold shower all before a cup of coffee, I was like, you are literally my hero. (laughs) Um, But that is a solid morning routine. Like, have you gone a day without it? Do you notice the impact when you can't do it? Yeah, of course. I, of course I go days without it. Of course I do. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we go on vacation in the summer. It's a lot more late nights, a lot mm-hmm. more girls night out. So like a lot of my focus that is not on like the inflexibility of that. Um, having said that my day without it is just a lot more unmoored and untethered. Um, I would say in the past, like nine months, my husband's, um, joined me in waking up early. So there's like a bit of that, like cozy energy in the house while we're both going around together. Um, but yeah, again, like I think that the best way to keep your habits consistent is by removing that pressure and inflexibility and just really connecting to this makes me feel good. So I'll do it. Not because, um, there's no room for error. Yeah. And that, that imagine having that mindset too makes it easier to welcome new habits. Like you have got 
like a laundry list of healthy habits to set your day up for success. And I love that. And I think for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, you know what? I'm inspired to even just bring one of those elements back into my life. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's drinking lemon water before coffee, like whatever speaks to you. But sometimes it can be quite hard and challenging to welcome in a new habit. You've done it. You're a pro. Like any advice on welcoming a new habit and and showing up and doing it on a consistent basis? Really, really great question. One thing I always remind my community of, and I'm going to say it again here, this has been like 13 years in the making. Like, you know what I mean? I, I didn't just wake up one morning and try to do all of this. It's not a new concept to take one little thing on at a time. But I also want to give that reminder because it's nice to be inspired, but I don't ever want anybody to walk away feeling like inferior or pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, so this morning I keep talking about my pull-ups, but it's just my fitness goal right now. And um, between March and June, I had created a goal that I was going to really focus on lower body. I wanted to like get back to a certain deadlift PR and that was going to be my workout focus. And what I noticed was that I was hitting PRs in my pull-ups and I had been like stagnant in that for like three years. And what my takeaway was this morning, this was my epiphany this morning, (laughs) is that when we remove the pressure and expectation of an outcome, we create so much expansiveness for growth. So like where, when I was approaching my, right. Oh my God. And I was like, this is why I suddenly am able to hit this amount of pull-ups. Like I've been working on this for so long, but instead what happened is my body knew what to do because it wasn't being asked to do something all the time. It was allowed to expand and be fluid and like bring in some of that feminine energy. So I think that is like a nice way to integrate a new habit. Mm. Number one, number two, I think that it's really important to know what stage of life you're at. I remember for years, my esthetician was saying, I want you to start doing a skincare routine. I'm like, I don't think you understand. I have so many like responsibilities that I either have or hobbies that I want to perform well in. I cannot add something else on. 18 months ago, what shifted was I was ready. Instead of viewing it as another task and another chore, I was able to shift and say, this is another form of self-care. And I'm ready to remember the steps between serum toner, exfoliation and night cream. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like, you really have to look, like, ask yourself, like, well, what am I ready for? Like, and maybe conventionally, you know, we're all like um, espousing the benefits of meditation, but that feels just repellent to you, you really have to ask yourself what works with the stage of life you're at and your personality. And I think that the last thing that I would say is is you really have to like look inwards and assess your why, like what you asked one or two questions ago, whatever your why is, you keep going back to that and you avoid burnout in that way because a burnout is a misalignment between your actions and your why So keep going back to that why. And you'll able to show up for your, you'll be able to show up for yourself. Yes, for small changes too. What is it that James Clear always says? Like just show up and try to be 1% better than yesterday. And it feels so minute. But if you show up 1% every day for a whole year, 365% better by the end of the year. Like it feels sometimes those small like changes feel inconsequential, but really they can have such a big lasting impact. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you're phenomenal. You're also a podcaster as well as all of the many, many things. So I want to celebrate Kayla, my teeth for a second, fellow podcaster. I'm actually going to be on yours later, which I love. I love a podcast swap. So I just wanted to give you a sec to like, tell everyone about the magic of your podcast and kind of just like, give us a lowdown on why we should check it out. Um, okay. So the origin of the name, um, started because my first episode I had Kayla in my teeth. <laughs> I didn't know and obviously you're not looking at your phone during these things and I'm like you know discussing the methodology and comparing like you know being a monk versus being a Buddha you know and like and and I have Kayla my teeth the entire time so all my friends were texting me and I come to my phone after I'm like oh dear I'm like you know what if we can't laugh at ourselves then this is just really not the right industry so it sort of became the name Um, and my goal was, you know, initially I started off just sharing recipes and then, you know, now it's fashion and interior design and all of these things. I think that it's important to discuss the multidimensionality of humans, but especially women. I only bring on women guests, been really tempted to bring on some amazing like men that have come my way, but it's very important to me. I have three daughters. Um, it's just, I think a really cool opportunity as podcast hosts to be highlighting there everyone is so passionate and knowledgeable about their field and it just never ceases to amaze me um the people that I come across so yeah that's that's sort of the uh, the little rundown on kale and my teeth I'm lucky to be having you on tonight and I've had on some really cool people no, you like you have, like, I'm terrified to go on because I don't know that I have like that much to impart on your community, but I can promise you we're going to have a great time. Are you, are you <laughs> serious right now? Yeah, I promise you we're going to have a great time. And it's me who has been learning from you. I love following you. I feel like you just give off this vibrancy and enthusiasm towards a healthy lifestyle that I feel like in a lot of ways is similar to my approach, which is like no extremism, but at the same time, constantly wanting to improve ourselves personally. Yeah. I feel like like our curiosity, I think, I think is like one of my greatest superpowers. Like I love how curious I am about life, about other people, about ways that I can show up better. And I hope that that never goes away. And I think it's one of your many superpowers as well, this idea of just like being curious to life. And I just want to thank you for celebrating women on your podcast in your world. And I also really want to celebrate the fact that while yes, on social media, you can niche down and really just focus on one thing. I love that you're like a buffet of goodness that like, yes, you're into interior design. Yes, you're into food. Yes, you're into fashion. Yes, you're into having kale in your teeth. Yes, you have children. Like you are so many things. And I think we need to celebrate that more often on social media and also just in the women in our lives. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being you and hanging out with us today. That's so sweet. It's so funny because I think a lot of the advice in social media is to niche down. And a lot of my friends in the industry are like, Riff, like you got to niche down. I'm like, it's impossible. Don't make me only talk about one thing because I can't. And so like hearing that someone, you know, like you appreciates that it, it drives home the message that I'm doing what's, you know, right for me. Fuck yeah. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Fun and just like that, another episode of the Healthy Is Hot podcast. Once again, I am your host with clearly no focus for a while. And if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out because that sucks. Feel free to rate and leave us a comment. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Healthy Is Hot. And remember, Healthy Is Fucking.
next week.